might not have seen us, um, but we are part of this congregation. We used to lead here for a while, and then we handed over to Emsley, and Emsley and Angelique's doing a great job with the elders, just taking this congregation on. You guys agree, eh? This is a wonderful team of elders and pastors that are taking care of you. The title of this morning's preach is Target Fixation. Care aware, careful, full of anxiousness and anxiety, or full of peace. Now, I know that's a long title, but basically there's two options there. Target fixation, full of anxiety, or full of peace. And the choice is yours. Do you guys, I'm going to tell you a story. So uh, I surf. Do you guys know what surfing is? Mossel Bay is a great place for surfing if you can bear the great whites and the seals, it seems like. Uh, and I've got this tan line on my neck. It's not because I'm running out of uh, self-tan and I tape myself and I just spray the top of my face. No, it's because of the wetsuit. And I've been surfing probably from standard, not probably, I've been surfing from standard 9, 17, I'm 48 now. So that's been 31 years. So my son also surfs. My son surfs actually quite well. And um, after we took him for some training. <laughs> and uh, we were talking the one day, and you know, who knows who the best surfer ever in the world is? It's time to shout out some names. <laughs> Kelly Slater. He's an 11 times world champion. Like, I can go on for hours about his accolades. But the fact is that he's been the world champ for the last 20 years on and off. He's won 11 world champs. And uh, the irony is, is I was speaking to Jacob about uh, Kelly the one day. And Jacob did the math in his head. And he was like, but dad, Kelly's been surfing the same time as you. Why do you suck so much? <laughs> so that has now put me on this path of improvement. And so I've been watching some videos on how to surf better. And one of the first things you need to, you need to learn is, is that... You go where you look. You guys know that. So who wants to just illustrate the point? Jacob, you want to come illustrate? Yes. Come. Anyone want to illustrate? But you have to be able to skate. Rufus. Yeah, yeah. Come here. So uh, can someone just give him an indemnity form? Indemnity form. So I've heard that Rufus is quite a good skater. It's okay, it's okay. I'm not asking you to do a kickflip. Just come stand here. So I'm going to push you. So just, I'm going to push you. Just go around the, the, the cups, okay? Are you ready? So notice that he's going to, he's going to the, the, the object lesson here is, is that he's going to turn in the way that he, he's, he's looking, in the way that his body's orientated. All right. Hey. All right, Rufus, now we're going to do it backwards. But you have to look at me. <laughs> Sorry, bye, thank you, Rufus. That very principle applies to us as Christians, is what we look at with our eyes, what we listen to with our ears, and what we allow our heart, allow into our heart, and what we allow in our heart to grow, produces a fruit. 
And with it, there's this thing called target fixation. Can we have that little clip up here quickly? That, there we go. Survival reactions are things we do automatically in panic moments on our motorcycles. And the fifth one is that we tend to steer where we're looking. SR5 goes hand in hand with SR4, which is the narrowing of our vision when we feel stress and anxiety, which prevents us from assessing all of our options properly and instead just barreling into something like a light pole. Colloquially, often people call this target fixation. And especially if you don't ride a motorcycle, it can be really confusing to see in real time. Because target fixation is how you get these strange situations where a motorcycle hits a pedestrian on nearly empty streets. This can be a really big problem in a corner and preventing it requires practicing stepping through the important visual points. First, look at where you're going to start your turn. Then, to the apex as you flip the bike over and aim at it. Then, where you'll be exiting the corner. Check out my other survival reaction TikToks or for a deep dive, my YouTube video. All right, so basically, you know, sometimes if you're trying to avoid something but you keep on looking at it, you end up actually hitting that which you're trying to avoid. And so, you know, when Jesus came and he died for us, he purchased for us white on the cross. He purchased for us peace. Peace with God the Father. Peace within our hearts. Peace within our relationships. And as we keep our eyes focused on Jesus, what the end of our walk is, is that we walk in peace. But if we focus on things that causes us stress and anxiety, in other words, if we don't focus on the Lord, we don't focus on His provision, we, we don't trust Him, and we start focusing maybe on things that stress us out. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's the relationship situation that you're facing. Maybe it's um, emotional things, mental health issues that you're facing. And you focus on those things. Those things will grow in your mind, and you will be target fixated upon those, and you'll actually end up hitting the very thing that you're trying to avoid. And so this morning, I, quickly, I used to be a pharmacist, so I quickly went onto a website, and I just looked at what is the prevalence of anxiety in our world. And so the World Health Organization did a bit of a study a couple of um, years ago, and they followed that study up in 2021. And they found that the, 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 the biggest mental health issue that the world struggles with is anxiety, which manifests itself in OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, you close your door and then you leave the house and you close the door and then you check and you close the door and then you, you check and you close the door and then you check again and you close the door and then, wait, let's go check again. Ooh, did I close the door and I, I check the door again? Which is actually an anxiety disorder or PTSD, post-traumatic stress syndrome. Which means you've been through a traumatic experience and you're unable to shake the experiences and you keep on reliving those experiences and whenever you're faced with a circumstance that's similar to that experience, you are overcome with fear and anxiety. You actually have an adrenal response that's very similar to a flight to flight response that you would have had while you were undergoing the trauma. And so you will just be somewhere in a crowd and you hear a sound and you drop down because you think it's a gun shooting or you, your heart rate goes up. You start feeling anxious. You start not feeling yourself. Or general anxiety disorder, which means that you just... You've got some phobias. It's hard for you to come into crowds. It's hard for you to be with people. These things can manifest in so many different ways. But the point is, is that the root of all of them is a root of fear. And what we look at, the things that we fear, is actually the things that then come true in our lives. So the stats say that 7% of the Western world suffer from a mental disorder that is linked to a fear or a phobia. That means in a crowd like this, 
there's 21 of us that this order is so severe that it de de debilitates our lives so that we cannot function properly in society. And then for the rest of us, well, we, we've just learned to control and, and live with it. But the good news this morning is, is that God has not given you a spirit of fear. But a calm and a well-balanced mind, discipline and self-control, and with that, He's given you His spirit so that you can overcome this. And so Jesus has attained all of that for you on the cross. But what we have to do is, is we have to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Take a hold of the power that is available in the cross and choose to not look at the things that create fear for us. And choose to focus on Jesus and on the goodness. And that's what I'm preaching on this morning. Who wants to hear? Yeah. And so we're listening. We're listening. Well, you are listening. But we're also reading out of Philippians 4 verse 4 to 4 verse 8, I think. And I want to just bring out a couple of things that we need to focus on as Christians. The first thing there is, is rejoice in the Lord always. I will say again, rejoice. The word for rejoice comes out of the word charis, which is the word gift. And the first thing that we need to focus on as Christians is that we have received our salvation as a free gift from the Lord. It's not something that we work for. It's not something that we have to demand. It is something that has been given to us. It is God's good pleasure to give you the kingdom children. You do not have to work for your salvation. You do not have to work for your healing. You have to focus on Jesus for your healing. Where do we focus on that? Well, we focus and we live in that by living in a community of faith where the graces of the Lord has been poured out to us where we can receive and drink from Him. You see, what fear does is, is fear produces isolation. But the Lord wants to bring us and bring us into a family where we can receive freedom, blessing, ministering to one another, caring for one another. And so how do we rejoice in the Lord? Well, we rejoice in the Lord by being a part of His body, by accepting the gift that He has given us. And John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whomever believes in Him will have eternal life. This is a free gift to us. And this is the start of our walking out of fear and into acceptance and into family. It's a free gift that has been given to us. But then sometimes God will give us gifts that are good for us that doesn't seem pleasant in the moment. How many of you have experienced that type of gift that you can rejoice in? Paul had a thorn in his side. God gave me a Land Rover. So, I mean, I knew Land Rovers. I'd heard all about them. And uh, then... We were in Namibia, though. I'm going to tell a story just to illustrate the point. Is that right? It's going to be a long story. <laughs> and so God said to me, you know what? I'm going to bless you with the Land Rover. I said, thank you, Lord. No, no thanks. Thanks, but no thanks. So we were in Namibia on an outreach somewhere, and we were in Arena Magon, and we were cruising along happily, and God said, no, I'm going to bless you with the Land Rover. I submitted. I said, said to my wife, let's pray about this. She's like, yeah, okay. So we ended up buying a Land Rover. And the gearbox broke, and this broke, and that broke. You know that that car was a gift to me, but not in the way that I thought. That car helped to 
work on my patience and my endurance and my perseverance and in my faith. And what God did with that car was is he produced Christ in me. So the Land Rover was a blessing to me. It was a gift to me, but not in the way that I thought. So, <laughs> I want to ask you, who's a gift to you? You know, sometimes we come into church and there's just that person that, you know, if they sit next to me, like, I'll find an excuse to go sit somewhere else. Or that person in your community is just like, Jesus, if they're going tonight, I'm not going. Or maybe your boss at work. You, you convince him in the morning when he comes to work, he screws off his horns, he paints himself human and he, he puts on a suit because he's actually the devil. And I work for the devils, my boss. <laughs> what in your life do you think is an obstacle but is actually an opportunity? You see, because in Christ Jesus, we are more than conquerors. If we will change our perspective from an obstacle to an opportunity. Because God will use... All things to the good for those that are called according to His purposes. You see, if we believe in a social gospel, or we believe in a prosperity gospel, that God's there to meet my needs, God's there to give me everything I want, God's there to just wait upon me, and we start facing this kind of gospel, then we will say, get up behind me, Satan. And it actually, it's actually a gift of the Lord for your life. And so I want to ask you this morning, sometimes we face challenges that produce us anxiety, that produce fear within us. But if we reframe them within the context of the gospel, that I can overcome anything, that God's in control of everything, that maybe God put me in this situation so that I can overcome, because it is they that overcome that will inherit. It's not they that run away. Or they that hide away. And so I want to ask you this morning, what is in front of you that seems like an obstacle, but is actually an opportunity? Might be your finance. Might be your relationship. It might be your husband or your wife. It might be your boss. It might be that person within your community. But as iron sharpens iron, so a man will shape the countenance of his friend. And God gives us the grace to go through not around, not under, not over, but through every situation. And in that, he shapes Christ into you so that you can become the hope of the world because Christ overcame first. He overcame death. He overcame the testing. He overcame temptation and yet didn't sin once. And so that same spirit that was in Christ is the same spirit that we carry in our hearts. The spirit of overcoming, even death. And so this morning is, do you have joy in your heart? If your circumstances call, causes you to lose joy, you are not looking at your obstacles in the right way. Because nothing will come to you if it's not from the hand of the Lord. Amen. This is a hard teaching. It's a hard teaching, I know. But this is the gospel.
rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness or your reasonableness be evident to all the Lord is near. So uh, how many of you know Joel? Joel Fenn. Oh, sorry, I should probably say Joel Fenn. I even know Greg Fenn. Joel's his son. So Joel went surfing yesterday. And uh, Joel's got this, um, he doesn't like seals. They're a little bit smelly. Have you ever gone around the island? They're actually quite smelly. You don't even have to go around the island. You can just live there by the Pampuna and when the northeaster blows, you smell them. But they're also quite scary. They're quite big and they've got teeth. They're they kind of like swimming dogs. I've once had one come up next to me at Mystery Reef and it, like, it had a neck like this and it came up and it looked at me and went, bah! <laughs> went, Wah! So Joel was attacked by a seal yesterday. Like a little baby seal. Like this big. Got bit four times. Once on his foot, once on the inside of his leg, once on his hip, and I don't know where the other place is. Joel's all right. It's okay, close your mouths. So in my mind, I've, I was thinking like, you know what? We should go to the municipality and tell them to kill that seal. <laughs> now some of you, you bunny huggers out there, you tree huggers, you're going like, it's their place. We'll just stay out of the water. It's like where every time there's a shark attack, I have this argument with someone. You know what? You surfers shouldn't be in the water. It's their territory. So just stay out the water. I see people nodding their heads. You might want to stop nodding your head now. Just stay out the water and you'll be fine. Well, then I say this. Well, let's reintroduce lions into the street. Because there used to be lions here. So how would you feel in the, getting out of your car at the shopping center and getting taken by a lion? You see, the problem is not the staying out of the water. The problem is the order of the Lord. There is a natural order that has been established in the world. And who is at the top of that order? God the Father, Jesus' Son, which God has made everything subject to, the Holy Spirit, and this one I'm not so sure about. It's either the angels or us. Husband, wife, children. God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, angels, apostles, elders, congregation. Husband, wife, children. If as I'm mentioning these things to you, there's something in you that goes, mm. I want to say to you, there's something of the order of the world that has crept into you. Because this is the order that God has established. And he says in Genesis that he, he gives man dominion over the earth to steward what God has put in the earth. Now, I know that man in, its, in his fallen state has abused his authority and has misused his authority and has chopped down rainforests and has killed all the bunnies. But that doesn't mean there's not an order within the Lord. What's my point? Are you guys all right? This is a hard teaching, eh? 
You see, this is where you'll find your peace. David says that my boundaries have fallen in pleasant places. You see, God puts boundaries on everything. He puts boundaries on marriage. So that when you remain within the boundaries of marriage, then you will have a good marriage. You will have a fruitful marriage. You will have a blessed marriage. You will have a marriage of peace. But if you go outside of the bounds of marriage with faithfulness and a man and a woman and the children within that, and your eyes wander and you have an affair outside of the boundaries of marriage, do you have peace or do you have fear and anxiety and condemnation? You see, because God has created boundaries on everything. He has created an order. And as we submit ourselves to His order, we have peace within the order of the Lord. If we walk outside of the order of the Lord, we have fear and anxiety and condemnation. And then what we do is this, this turmoil within us, the opposite of peace. Because that's really what it is. Then we need to find medication or distraction or blaming in order to make ourselves feel all right. Because within us, we know that we carry the condemnation of our actions. We know that we are judged and we know that we are wrong. And like Adam and Eve, we make fig leaves for ourselves and we hide. And so we can either hide by running away or we can hide by actually hiding in solitude. Or we can numb ourselves by taking drugs and alcohol. And we all frown upon that. We all frown upon addictions. But we can also hide by going to the doctor. And him prescribing the very things that those other things do. You see on a physiological level, whether I activate the glutamate system with a benzodiazepine or whether I activate it with alcohol, it's actually exactly the same thing. From that sense. Who knows what I just said? Just trust me. Whether I use a magic mushroom, whether I use tick or whether I use Ritalin, they both, well, the one's prescribed by a guy with a white coat and the other one's given to you with a guy with a black coat. That's the only difference. The one you'll go to jail for and the other one, well, we give it to our children so that they can study better so that we can cope with our ADHD, which is a manifestation of a fear and a phobia. Now, what I'm not saying this morning is, is that we should neglect our physical bodies and that we should shun doctors and shun pharmacists and shun, shun psychologists and psychiatrists. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that the Lord has made you spirit, soul, body, living within relationships, living within society, and the peace that the Lord offers you encompasses all those areas. And all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory. So all of us come into the kingdom with a limp. And God's process with you might be that we start with a spirit. And you immediately set free from all addictions and stuff. And it might be for other people, well, that's just not the path that the Lord's walking with you. And you might have to go on to medication. Like a crutch. Crutches don't go on your arm, eh? Like a, like a cost. That for a while, while the bone is healing on the inside, we give it support so that when it's healed, we can take the cost off. But sometimes, we start to worship our crutch. And our crutch becomes our identity. 
and with wisdom under the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit, applying the authority of Christ into our lives, submitting ourselves to His leading and guiding, walking within the counsel of the elders in the church with your medical professionals walking with you. There is freedom for you in Christ Jesus. We cannot settle for this. Because God takes us from one degree of glory to the next. And sometimes God will do it in a miraculous fashion. What does that scripture say? That's the previous verse. Let your reasonableness, your gentleness be evident to all. But don't settle. There's an order in the Lord. There's an order. And where there's order, there is no sickness. There is no disease. Does this make sense? I kind of like feel like I, I feel like that one hasn't quite landed. If you're sitting here and you're battling, don't stop trusting the Lord for breakthrough. It might tarry. It might take a while. But the Lord has spoken a word of healing over you. It's like MC. Man, I've known MC for 22 years. It's Andrew's wife. We prayed for her earlier. She's got one kidney because she had spina bifida. The doctors, when they had the operation, they weren't aware. So they destroyed her kidneys with the medication that they were giving her. And she's lived with a quarter of a kidney her whole life. And two or three years ago, her kidney failed. And she's been on dialysis. Goes into the hospital every three days. Gets her blood cleansed. But as long as I've known MC, this word has been spoken over her, that the Lord wants to heal her. That she's going to walk in the health that the Lord has for her. We all thought, well, now we're going to pray for her and God will give her two kidneys. But he's decided in his wisdom that on Tuesday he's going to give her a kidney from her brother-in-law. And she'll walk in the fullness and the blessing of the Lord. And one day when she gets to heaven, she will also be fully healed. You see, sometimes God will heal us partially, sometimes God will heal us fully, and sometimes God will heal us like Abraham will only walk into the fullness then. You see, Abraham never lived in the land that the God, the God promised him, but he saw it. So my question to you is, is, do you see it? Are you looking? Are you looking for it? Are you straining towards it? Or have you settled and are you looking at the obstacles and the problems? That's a way better landing on that scripture, eh? Are you guys still with me? You guys are great. All right. How long have I been going? Not long enough. The three in the front. The oaks in the back are like, Jesus, please let him stop. <laughs> uh, the next verse, please. Do not be anxious about anything, but about everything. Oh, sorry, I'm going to read that again. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to, the God, to God, so that the peace of God that transcends all understanding will garrison and mount God over our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So this is the key. The key is to rejoice. The key is to put yourself in the order of the Lord. And the key is to, is to seek out relationship with the Lord. Because in everything, 
with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, make your needs and wants known to the Lord. So what is in everything? Is anything left out of anything? No, it's everything. And so with, like, we go to the Lord in everything. If there's something, you find yourself, you're worrying about something, take it to the Lord. And you know those words, I've always asked myself the question, what is prayer and what is supplication? Like, what's the difference? Who knows what the difference is? What do you, you say? The, I hope it's the same as my word I came up with. So I think supplication is like begging. When you've done something... So right, supplication is like begging, but it produces it proceeds from a place of need, a place of extreme need, actually. Where prayer is prosuchomai, and it comes out of a place of wish. What is your wish list? Now, who of you have had a wish list? Like when you were a child, your parents asked you, "What do you want for Christmas?" And then you like like had a list for Santa. That's your wish list. And so when we come to the Lord, it doesn't mean He's going to give you everything you want. But he does want you to share everything that you want with him. And so coming to the Lord is this. We come to him in everything. What do you want? What do you need? What do you hope for? What are your desires? Do you want a wife? You're single? Well, then bring it to the Lord. Do you want a business? You don't have one? Then bring it to the Lord. You want a different boss? You want a better one? Then bring it to the Lord. You want finances? Well, bring it to the Lord. You want hope? Bring it to the Lord. You want freedom, and now we're going into the needs. You want freedom from oppression. You want freedom from sickness. You want freedom from disease. You want freedom from what's keeping you captive. Your need, well, bring it to the Lord. Because when it, we bring it to the Lord, who are we bringing it to? We bring it to the one with the ultimate authority, the one that's actually able to change that which we're facing. And when we do that, and this is really important, because what we do is, is we target fixate upon those things. Oh, I want a new cell phone. I've got an S20. I want an S21. This, uh, this one has got a camera with that much many megapixels. It's got like this CPU. I need that thing. I just don't need that thing. I, I need or want it. And you spend all your time thinking about this thing, about your upgrade. Some of you want to upgrade your wives. I mean, you're stuck in that contract for two years. And look at all these models. They're just so much better than this model. Some of you want to upgrade your husbands. Some of you want to upgrade your children. <laughs> and the Lord says... Don't focus on your flesh. Focus on me. I've given you all that you need. That wife that you've got is the one that's for you. That husband that you've got is the one that's for you. You didn't make a mistake when you chose her. Actually, maybe he blinded you a little. What do they say? Love is blind and marriage is an eye-opener. Yeah, that's why you don't marry after 50 because you can't see. 
She's right for you. She's the one God chose for you. You didn't make a mistake. He's right for you. He's the one God chose for you. It's in his plan and his purpose. Yes, it's not perfect, but neither are you. Yes, your children aren't perfect, but neither are you. And so take your eyes off the desires and the temptation and the things of the flesh and focus on the Lord because he's given you a good gift. It might not feel like it. It might feel like a Land Rover. But that's your Corvette. And there's space for two in that car. And a jerry can. And then thankfulness. You know, thankfulness. So if we take our eyes off the things that make us disgruntled and we focus our eyes on the things that the Lord has given us, the glass is not half full, the glass is full. Don't focus on the part that's not there. Focus on what you do have. Don't focus on what you don't have. And you'll find that when you do that, it's the, the peace of the Lord springs up in us. And it, it's, it's something that surpasses all our understanding because it's not the way that the world lives. The world runs after these things. But the Lord has given us everything that we need in Him. And so present your needs and your wants to Him. And if you need it, He will give it to you. But be thankful for that which you have. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will grace and amount God of your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And you will walk in peace. Why is this important? Why is walking in peace so important? Because you are God's ambassador. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. You're coming out of the kingdom of peace and you're walking in this world which is a kingdom of war. And when we live in peace, when His shalom, His irene, His fullness of His peace, which is not just the absence of war. Peace is not the absence of war. Peace is the presence of Jesus in the Holy Spirit, being aligned with the plan of the Father, walking in the purpose and the destiny according to the mediating plan of Jesus Christ, under the blood of Jesus, in the authority of Jesus, in this world. That's what peace is. And when we walk in that, we are ambassadors for Him. But when we walk in this, we are bad ambassadors. And we are no different to the world. And so the Lord desires to build His kingdom through me and you. And the imperative is, time is short. There is an inheritance waiting for you. You see, the Lord is near in the fact that He lives in your heart through the Holy Spirit, but also in the fact that He's coming again. And when He comes again, He has His reward with Him. And we will receive from Him that which we have done in this life. You see, initially, salvation is a gift. And then it's a process with a Land Rover. Then it's an overcoming and a focusing. And a bringing into the fullness. And then it's overcoming and victory. And then people come in because they look at you and they go, Who are you? You have something that I don't have. What is it? And it's not because you're great and clever and big and strong. It's because you have the one that created everything inside of you. You see, the only desirable thing that we have is Him. The rest is just dust. So focus on Him. And you will be full of peace. And you will be full of power. And you will be full of the Spirit. 
walking in the plan and the purpose and the destiny. And you will be fulfilled and you will find meaning and destiny if you focus on him. If you focus on that, you'll be careful, full of care, full of anxiety, full of fear. And you'll be one of the 7% that we know about. Can I ask that you close your eyes this morning? Maybe you've walked into this place this morning and Jesus has brought you here and you've tried to take care of the fear and the anxiety and the phobia and the rejection and the emptiness that you felt inside by using drugs and alcohol. You've had bad friends because you found your meaning and your identity there, but you've never heard this message. And the message is this, that God so loved you that he sent his only son to die for you on a cross so that you can realize that focusing on those things, focusing on the things of the world is empty. And it, emptiness, it's sin that gives birth to sin, that gives birth to death. And the Bible says that all of us have sinned. All of us have missed the mark because you didn't know this. You didn't know that there was a plan for you. You didn't know that there was a hope and a future. And you've come into this world and you've done the best that you've could, but you've messed it up. And your life is a mess. And God has brought you into this place this morning. And this is not a coincidence. Because God works everything to the good for those who are called according to His plan and His purposes. If you're sitting in this place this morning, and you've come here to hear this message, this message God has ordained it from before the foundation, from before the world was created, He's ordained you to come in here this morning. And as I've spoken the words of the Lord this morning, there's something in you that has gone, yes, that's true. Yes, I want that. Yes, I want to come out of the death and I want to come into the life. Your heart is... It's like the Holy Spirit. And you know what that something is? It's not me speaking to you. It's the Holy Spirit that comes. He's the one, Jesus says, it's better that I go away. Because when I go away, He is the one that will convict, convince the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Sin because you didn't know the Father. Sin because you haven't been in a relationship with the one that's created you. Sin because you cannot find His plan for your life because you, you're not on the network. You don't have a SIM card in your heart. Righteousness, because righteousness is walking with someone, and that someone is Jesus. It's not some other spirit. It's not some guru. It's not some apparition. It's not some angel. It is Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, made manifest so that we could understand what God is like. And 2,000 years ago, he was born in vulnerability on this earth, coming as a servant in a manger, not in a castle. Showing you that the nature of God is one of servanthood and one of humility. And he's coming to you humbly this morning as the ruler of the universe. He's coming to you and he's presenting his son to you. And he's saying, will you accept? Will you take him this morning? Will you? I've given you chances before. And the Bible says that today is the day of your salvation. And the Holy Spirit will also convict us of judgment. Because there is a judgment to come. Meaning, you might not face the consequences of your sin in this life, but you probably do. You know, the consequences of your sin now is broken relationships and isolation and abandonment and depression and anxiety. But one day when he comes, he's not coming as a humble baby in a manger. He's coming as a king on a horse. And he's coming to bring his kingdom. And if you're not in his kingdom on that day, if you haven't accepted the gift of Jesus and you've tried to work this thing out on your own strength, then you will be lost. Because salvation is only attainable as a gift. 
You know, for some of us, it is so hard to accept a gift because we always think it comes with manipulation. Maybe you grew up in a house where gifts were used to manipulate you, to do things that you shouldn't have done. And that's not the God we serve because He's a God of humility, bringing the gift of salvation freely so that whomever believes shall have eternal life. And that includes you, the whomever. And if that's you this morning, I want to ask you to do a bold thing, not for me, but as an acknowledgement of what's happening in your heart. You see, what's happening in your heart is the conviction of the Spirit. And when you take that conviction and you mix it with obedience and you make a, a unseen things seen, the Bible calls that faith. And faith is pleasing to the Lord. And so if you would respond to that small, still voice within your heart this morning, asking you to raise your hand. Thank you, there's one hand that's gone up. Now's your time. Today's the day of your salvation. Is there anyone else? Thank you, there's another hand. Thank you, there's another hand that's gone up. You know, God so loved you. He's not trying to manipulate you into heaven. He first sent his son. And while we were yet sinners, he sent his son. That means you cannot ever, ever be good enough for him. You can't be. It's impossible. So this lie is something that the devil used to tell me. First sort yourself out and then you go to church. But that would then make the basis of my foundation upon my works and not upon his. Then it's not a gift, then it's a work. And the Bible is clear that no one will inherit salvation through works. You cannot be good enough. And so if you think that you want to be good enough before you come, that's a lie. It's a lie of the enemy and it's keeping you trapped in his dark kingdom. The only way out is accepting Jesus as a gift. And if that's you, accept the truth. Because it's the truth that will set you free. Jesus is offering you freedom this morning. And so for one last time, if that's you, raise your hand so that we can pray with you. Thank you. Is there anyone here this morning that you have served the Lord, you have heard his voice, you've tasted some of the goodness of the kingdom, you might even have gone through the waters of baptism acknowledging that you must die, your will must die, your time must die, your own agenda must die, your own plan must die. But after you've come through the waters of baptism, you've taken up your old life and you've walked away from the Lord and his voice has grown so dim that you cannot hear him anymore. If that's you this morning, the Bible calls you a backslider. You've backslidden from the revelation that you've had. And even though you might still be saved in some form or fashion or way, the Lord wants to give you an opportunity this morning to come back into his kingdom to, and through repentance come into times of refreshing. And if that's you, I want you to raise your hand because I feel like there needs to be a response to those things this morning. Thank you. There's one hand that's gone up. Is there another Thank you. Now Jesus left heaven and he came to earth for me and you. I want you to stand all together. And I want all of us to pray this, this prayer. 
Lord Jesus, this morning, your word has hit into my heart. I acknowledge it as the Holy Spirit. I give you my life. I take my eyes off my problems and my flesh and my desires. And I put my eyes on you, on your gift, on your plan, and on your generosity. This morning I accept Jesus' gift into my heart. I thank you that you will do what you've said. That you will create eternal life. That you will create perpetual life in me right now. Life that will spring up and that will grow into eternity. I ask for your Holy Spirit to come and live in my heart. I'll follow him. Keep my eyes on him. Because I want to finish this race. In Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer, either for the first time or as a recommitment, I would love you to just come to the front. So I know this is a big step, but just come out. Come out. If you responded, why is this important? You know why this is important. Because Jesus says that if you acknowledge me before man, I will acknowledge you before the Father. And sometimes, and this is just an observation, I can't, there might be scripture for this, but if there is, I haven't found it. Is that if you don't make a stand for Jesus, you fall for everything. You need to tell people, you need to tell people like, you need to show your colors. So just come out, those people that responded, we want to pray with you.